Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. have an attorney, Ernesto Borges, who's been part of the, our family from the beginning, and he is here, Bill Busters. If you have a problem with those bills, you got to bust them, and the only <laughs> way you them. do it is go back to attorney Borges and make sure you All take right. care of those All things. Right. Thanks. And we have a person uh, who's our executive producer who runs around making sure we stay in line, Glenda Smith, and we have a digital media producer, Ivan Gortega of the great Scouts Honor Productions. Uh, he's doing a wonderful job, as usual, with this broadcast. Also, uh, we have a panelist, Brent G. Filbert, a Pentagon-retired 30-years U.S. Navy veteran, a professor and director of Military Law Veteran Advocacy Project. Uh, what a title. Uh, I'm not sure if this man has not done, uh, hasn't done everything in life you can possibly do, Attorney Borges, but he is uh, with a, quite a background, distinguished I, background. I'm waiting to hear. I want to hear from him. <laughs> he sounds very interesting. And our discussion today is the update on veteran law. It is so, so uh, much of an honor always to have you on, Brent. Uh, how are you doing today? <laughs> doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for that great introduction. I, I don't, I'm sure I can't live up to the, the, um, <laughs> the high bar you set, but I'll, I'll do the best I can and uh, try and ex- ex- do a decent update on, on veterans law. But it is good to uh, be with you both today to, to talk about um, things that have happened in the area of veterans law really over the last year, but uh, a couple of things in the last uh, just month or so that are really important. Um, okay. And, um, you know, usually I bring uh, what I've done over the last um, year or so that I bring a, a guest on, yes. uh, you know, a psychiatrist or, or whatever, and we and we talk with them. But I thought it was time, um, and I promise next show I have a really, really good guest coming on, but I thought it was time to really just talk about some of the, the important things that have happened affecting veterans generally, uh, legally, and also um, specifically to rural veterans, um, uh, some things that have happened in that area as well. But that's really what I'd like to do today. Uh, question, uh, Brent, are, are you an attorney also? I'm an attorney, okay. so I um, – doesn't I say this JAG on, for, I'm reading it. Okay, you were a JAG. Yeah, okay. Many, many years, okay. and uh, – um, and so now <clears throat> I've uh, been doing, doing the working uh, mm-hmm. in the area of veterans law and, and military law for the last okay. uh, few years since I retired. Okay, great. Yeah, because this guy looks like he's yeah. still in his 30s. I'm looking at the oh. video. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, you, know, you, can, you, you can do that on Zoom. It can make you look better. That's what I've been, that's, that's what I've been doing. So, Photoshop um, Zoom. Huh? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so one, um, and anytime you all want to jump in and ask questions, um, just feel free to do it. Okay, um, I did want to start with one uh, important um, law that was just recently enacted by Congress and signed by Pre- uh, President Biden. So um, as uh, Dr. Arnold knows, I've had a real uh, focus on rural veterans and their legal rights and their access to VA um benefits and health care and that sort of thing. Um, and so um, just in the past month, uh, President Biden signed a law. It's called the um, Sergeant Kep- K- 
Ketchum Rural Veterans Mental Health Act. Um, and it comes from, as often things do in the, in the world of, of veterans law, it comes from a really sad story, which was, um, and you know, right now with what's happening in Afghanistan and all that, um, uh, it's really hits home. But, uh, so, so Sergeant Ketchum was a U.S. Marine. He had two tours in Iraq and a tour in Afghanistan. Um, and when he came back and, and separated from the service, uh, he began having uh, serious mental health issues, uh, including PTSD. And um, he sought um, treatment from um, a VA healthcare center in, in, in Iowa, and they turned him away and said, we, we, we don't have the capability to do that. He was from a small town in Iowa. And so he went back to his the rural parts of Iowa where he lived, and he ultimately um, committed suicide. Uh, that's a terrible story, but it's one that go, it repeats itself all the time among the veteran population. So this law, which, um, as I said, was just signed in the last uh, month or so, um, significantly uh, expands um, mental health um, treatment uh, access to veterans in rural areas. So the VA is going to have uh, a significant amount of money to to put mental health uh, professionals out into those rural areas because that's the issue for rural veterans is they can't get to um, the places where they need to get to because it's too far away. Um, and also yeah, part of it, I think, a little bit is the, is the culture in, in, in rural areas, which, you know, saying you have a mental health problem, it's always a problem everywhere, but it can be particular. They're saying you have a mental health problem is uh, not always easy to do. And so that that law is now in effect. Um, and I think really it's the first step in a much broader um, um, investment in helping veterans in those rural areas get the care that they need. So that's, I thought that was really a, important, you know, because what you just mentioned was really something that you know people don't often think about you know if you have a mental health issue and you're in a city environment you can get lost in the crowds but in a rural community everyone knows everybody and and if if that issue comes up it can actually stigmatize you uh, i guess to a greater degree than if you were in a uh, you know in a big urban environment uh so yeah that's That's right and i think also it can be you know you can feel very very isolated in those areas um and uh, not one because there's not as many people around, uh, and also um, you know you're not around a lot of people to talk to about just in general about what you went through and what you're experiencing and all that. Um, so I thought that was um, really uh, a good news story um, in the in the world of, of veterans law and, and, and veterans benefits. So that was that was one thing I wanted to let, to let the listeners know about um, that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And as I said, you know, with with um, what's happening with the, the Afghanistan withdrawal, I mean, the the I, I see um, that the, the ramifications for our veteran population, particularly those who served in Afghanistan um, over the next few years or even longer, um, is going to be significant because of what what's happened there, and and uh, our nation needs to be prepared for that and be prepared to help them. Uh, get through it in, in any way they possibly can. Do you think, uh, let me ask you, Brent, do you think that because the Americans, because we lost uh, 13 servicemen and, and how many were wounded? 18. Uh, 18 wounded. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that makes a difference? Uh, I mean, I think there was a difference just by 
withdrawing alone the the, the mental uh what what those those who served may be going through something to say I served I got wounded I this I that uh, my buddy's got uh 25 Americans were killed uh that alone was enough but now that we've lost fresh blood if you will uh, do you think that makes a difference and of course we don't even know what's going to happen in the next month or two months or there may be more bloodshed uh, can we retaliate? Is there a need to retaliate? Killing one guy with a, you know, I, I think the, the president retaliated, but was that enough? Are we going to have to have more retaliation? Is there, are they going to attack us? I mean, this is like a can of worms that's been opened up, and I don't know what the effect is going to be on those. I mean, I'm a Vietnam veteran, and I left uh, it was in Vietnam 68, 69, and of course, I had some feelings about the fall of Saigon and so forth, but right, uh, right. I, I I don't know how that's affecting these guys who served over there. Uh, and, and now, yeah, no, that's with, a good, with fresh blood, fresh uh, casualties, that's even worse. Uh, yeah, right. No, I think I think that leaving the way the way the withdrawal is gone, and then losing more people at a in the way that it's happened. Um, you know, add salt to the wounds of the Afghanistan veterans who were, were already, um, you know, the the feelings that they have of, and the ones that I, I deal with um, and others I know who, who deal in this area of the law uh, have experienced is, you know, there's the, the fall of Afghanistan so quickly after all that effort and everything those veterans went through um, is disheartening and, and all that. But then the, the loss of more Marines and soldiers and a Navy corpsman uh, makes it worse. And, and then I, and I think you're right, uh, absolutely, that that now what's going to happen is they're going to be seeing and hearing about what happens in Afghanistan once we fully leave to the the Afghans who, are the, who sure. remain there who were part of the war effort. And those stories, I think, are probably going to continue for a significant period of time. And um so I think that is going to be yeah. a difficult situation. You, you, for you those, know, you you, you go and you you serve. Um, you know, you're separated from your family, your friends, this that. You you wounded. Your friends were killed. Uh, fellow soldiers and Marines and so forth killed. And then and then you feel that you've done something. You've made a difference. You've seen women's rights, uh, women able to go to school and this and that and some uh, civility and and. Uh, and now it's all, it seems like it's all for naught. And it's then complex. a trillion dollars gone, yeah. and then you pull out. I I have some problems with that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, and, you know, I've been thinking about that, too. But, you know, one one of the things is that, you know, those efforts that they made, uh, once you give a person a little bit of a taste of freedom, a little bit of a taste of justice, it doesn't go away. And, and the people who are in those countries, many of the people who are in Afghanistan who want to get on those planes to come over here recognize that there's a different world. Uh, that has been created, that they see around them. Yeah. So I, I think we had a great influence on that, uh, for just for you know, uh, you know, justice around the world. So I, I'm, I'm more of the more of the um, positive. And maybe view. some of them will be able to reach back. Yes. Even though they left the country, right? They right. still have contacts with their with family. The so yeah. there, there is an impact that we have, and. Uh, even when you see the kids running around playing with volleyballs and, you know, uh, yeah. right. when I was in Iraq right. and, and, and those things, it, it's a different world for them now because you can't you can't remove that, that, that can't influence. You can't put the that, toothpaste that influence, back in, really the, in the tube. Uh, yeah. uh, but, you know, one thing I wanted to mention was that, 
Brent, when you were talking about rural communities, because we were talking about mental health for the soldiers. Mm-hmm. So uh, for the example where we had these Gold Star families and we have like 13 uh, service members that have died pr- recently, uh, mm-hmm. I'm wondering about the family members because they're still covered, some of them under TRICARE. But they're, still, um, they're still vulnerable. So uh, I, I would think they'd be even in more vulnerable situations. Um, I remember one service member, and it just, I mean, it brought tears to my eyes. And he um, lived in um, southern Illinois. He was a farmer. He lost both of his legs, and he lost his right arm in Iraq. He came back, and his wife was working three jobs Mm -hmm. trying to take care of him and trying to take care of the family Mm -hmm. because he couldn't farm anymore. And um, so I'm I'm imagining that there are those service members, family members that need that kind of assistance as well. And I'm not sure if this act is broad enough, whether it's, you know, including – you know, uh, those uh, dependents of the uh, service members as well. Right. Um, yeah, it's a good question. This act would not be specific, would not be helpful to the family members um, of fallen service members um, or, or service members who um, are injured. But but there have been, um, I think, significant and I and I battle the VA um, and the Department of Defense every day. So I'm not, you know, on their side always, but um, there have been uh, significant improvements in providing assistance for um, uh, caregivers of seriously injured uh, service members over the last few years. So that has been an area of improvement by the VA that they are making that uh, more, um, there's more resources, there's more funding, there's more eligibility. So I think that's a positive, but that you're right. That is a very tough situation. Let me ask you something, Um, uh, Brent. Uh, mm-hmm. An example that, that uh, Colonel just mentioned, um, you know, we have people who are 100 percent and they get whatever they get. Mm-hmm. But someone who's injured to that extent, do do they get is it possible for them to get more? Um, are there more resources for them uh, yes. than just the average 100 yeah. uh, percenter, uh, someone who's lost both legs and, and, and an arm? Uh, it seems as if they should be entitled to a, a lot more than what the, the average 100%. I, I'm 100%, but right. Um, right. I, 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 um, I can walk around and I'm, you know, I'm fine. But um, in that respect, the, I, yeah. Yeah, there absolutely is where you can, the um, under the VA disability compensation system, and, uh, and um, I've represented a, a veterans in this situation, let's say where they have, you know, the double amputee. Um, right. Or, or that sort of thing, where they get uh, a special compensation far and above. It's, it is significantly more uh, than the 100% uh, disability um, compensation, which is, you know, it's not a great amount of money. Um, of course, very, very helpful, but it can be significantly higher if you fall into a category where um, you really need aid and assistance, um, okay. like like uh, Dr. Arnold was talking about, mm-hmm. uh, it can be double or even a little bit more than what you would get at 100%. Oh, so that's a, it's a good point, and it's, it's out there. A lot of veterans don't know about it um, and yeah. wouldn't know to apply for it um, mm-hmm. unless they have somebody who, who really can advocate for them. But, but, and it, the rules, like a lot of VA disability rules, are tricky, um, and you have to really uh, know how to, to uh, deal with, the, with uh, putting it in the right – words and information, that sort of thing. But, yes, that, that's okay. definitely 
Um, it's good I'll to bet. know. I, did, I didn't know that, but I'm happy to hear that. That's why you need a lawyer yeah. like you guys. It's funny because um, it really, I mean, if you take a step back, you really shouldn't need a lawyer to, as a veteran to get your disability uh, compensation that you're entitled to. But the sad truth is that you, you absolutely do. Once you get past, uh, you have an initial denial um, by the VA to, to really – to get through it all is, is not easy. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's how that, that that's is good. out there. That's good. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah, so, you know, there was another topic you said you wanted to uh, mention. Yeah. So there was one, there was one other area that I thought was, there was actually more, but I thought the two most important was, okay. so, um, and this affects um, Afghan uh, veterans also is that just in the last uh, couple of weeks, um, the VA put out rules that added, um, conditions that are presumed to have been caused by service. Everyone's heard of Gulf War illness. So if you have certain, like, unexplained conditions, multi-symptom conditions, and you served in the Gulf War from 19, the Gulf area, Southwest Asia, from 1990 to present, you can get, you, you can have service-connected conditions presumed by the VA. It's just if you have it, it's going to be, you're going to get the compensation. Um, a lot of conditions were excluded, and it didn't include Afghanistan um, or Syria um, or a couple other places. And just in the last couple of weeks, the VA um, added really the most common conditions coming out of there, which are the respiratory ones, asthma, rhinitis, sinusitis, mm. as presumed conditions if you served in Afghanistan from September 2001 to present or in Southwest Asia, really Iraq and that area from the beginning of, of Desert Shield to present. So that was really um, a big uh, a victory for veterans because those are the conditions that really came out of those, the burn pits and all that. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, you hear so much about that. So that, that was another really important change in the law that just came about. And that comes from uh, great uh, d- dedicated attorneys such as yourself, mm-hmm. you know, pressing these issues. Uh, so yeah. thank you, thank you, thank you from, yeah. from the bottom of the heart for the veterans that you're actually servicing in their families. And I guess we did talk, uh, maybe yeah. one of the other shows, you talked about the Blue Water. Uh, oh, yeah, getting right. benefits right. for that now. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. Right. that's great. Right. And um, and I know we're, we're not out of time, but the, the VA, the Congress, um, also added new conditions for Agent Orange um, at the beginning of the year, um, three new conditions that are presumed to have been caused by service in Vietnam. So that's another very helpful thing for the Vietnam veterans. What, what uh, is that, uh, if you don't mind? So the, yeah, the conditions were um, bladder cancer, which was, mm-hmm. I, I had several bladder cancer cases. Uh, we had to prove the relation between Agent Orange and bladder mm-hmm. cancer. Now it's just presumed mm-hmm. uh, Parkinson's-type uh, mm-hmm. Not Parkinson's disease, which is already presumed, but Parkinson type uh, symptoms, mm-hmm. sort of a, uh, you know, if you have the the tremors and that sort of thing. That's mm-hmm. all you need to all you need to show. Um, and the the third one is um, it's slipping my mind right now. Um, it is um, memory loss. Um, 
No. <laughs> That's next. Wait, you guys said I you, you said I look young. I should be having that. Um, it's uh, it's uh, hypothyroidism. The last one is, is hypothyroidism. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not memory loss. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Please forgive me. I couldn't resist the joke. <laughs> no, that was right. It was out there. You, you, you took it out. Okay. I, I understand. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, uh, thanks. You are a partner. Thanks, you are Rex. an advocate, uh, Brent, and you've been doing so much for our veterans. Thank God for you and your law practices that people need. They need to reach out to you and uh, look at your services as well. And Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.